Welcome to Wing Talk from the INAP Fixed Wing Group. Now here is your host, Steve Schlesinger. Hey everybody, welcome to Wing Talk. Once again, we're doing the show. This is live in 2023. We've had a great new year start and this is going to be a fantastic year. So I'm looking forward to getting started and introducing our guests today. But before we do that, we're going to talk to some of our all-time favorites here. I was just going to say a quick hello to Mark Hoffman. Mark, you're not feeling so great today, right? Yeah, my voice is still not what it is supposed to be. Uh, I had some uh, sickness over the last weeks and still coughing a lot. So bear with me when I'm uh, not talking that much this time as I usually do. <laughs> okay. Well, it's great seeing you, the pilot in charge. So you just hang out in the background, make sure we all look and sound good, and then we appreciate you. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. So, oh, okay. Let's not forget one of our favorites from the UK, Mr. Darren Lyons. Darren, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I think Mark's going to have his work cut out trying to make us look good, but, you know, <laughs> it, it should be a fun show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I, uh, you know, I got up this morning and watched your video. It was, it was only up for about 47 minutes. But, oh, my God, <coughs> got to it. Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, it was great video. It was talking about why your control surfaces may not look like they're moving super much when you, you first get your plane set up. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I, I used a very nice example of a glider in that video just for a certain someone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know you were working long and hard on it yesterday. You've been working a lot lately too, right? So this has been yeah, kind of a yeah. <coughs> big month for you. Yeah, hey, Luke. just started. <laughs> Hello. Luke, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, uh, all's good here. Uh, got a bit of flying in today, <laughs> very, very wet. I was absolutely soaked through. So I'm noticing how clean your background looks. Mine? Yes. Oh, really? Oh, no, I've got loads of rubbish in my background. I've got some Phantom <laughs> 3 converting one to YNAV and one to RG Pilot. Uh, a helicopter. Um, oh, geez, what did you say? Did you, did you say the A word? <laughs> Mark, come off the show. No, 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 no. <laughs> didn't say that. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I thought that. it was bad enough there was a quad cop, so let alone RG pilot. <laughs> I, I did have to hide mine with a wing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get involved with a lot of good stuff. Oh, so it's raining over there? Yeah, yeah, it's been raining pretty hard today, but yeah, had to get some flying in. So <laughs> yeah, we've had you got some flying in in the rain. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it, it, the rest of the week it's been raining and windy, so you know, in comparison, it looked pretty good today, I guess. So we've <laughs> yeah. had rain in Southern California for like the last three weeks. Everyone always complains, like, come out here for the summertime and everything's dead. If you want to come, come right now. Uh, now, speaking of beautiful places in the United States, one of my favorite places I went to this past year, little state coddle, Ohio, the birthplace of aviation. And from there, we do have Tim. Tim, how are you doing from Radio Man RC? Great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. It's good seeing you again. It is good to see all of you as well. Not the best uh, flying weather right now in Ohio, but, you know, it's winter. So what, what can we expect? Is it snow on the ground yet? Or 
you know, this this winter has been kind of weird. It gets cold and then warm and then cold and then warm. So, you know, we uh, we were down to uh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in uh, the real, real measurements um, that you guys all like to use. Um, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think we're going to be back up like 55 tomorrow, but rain. So, you know, it's it's a roller coaster. Central Ohio, where we are, is kind of strange. We don't get a lot of snow. It's generally just rain and, and then freezing and then, you know, just ugly brown and gray all the time. So not sure so why I live here, actually. 55 and rain is yeah. uh, that's that's Luke flying weather. Sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I was messaging you yesterday and you said you're going off to a wedding. Yeah. Um, for those that married know, in Ohio uh, in the middle of winter, that's I don't know. I, it's kind of crazy for those that know uh, Ryan uh, that used to work for me. Um, yeah, he just got married after, you know, we've been giving him a hard time for, you know, dating um, Jesse for like 17 years. So it's about time they finally got married. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give him some grief about that. I figured I wouldn't do it on their wedding day, but maybe after the fact. <laughs> OK, well, it's the day after the wedding day. So, yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to Ryan and yeah. his beautiful wife. Yep. Fantastic. And so Ohio, um, you've, um, I, yeah, so that is really, uh, was out there over the last year and, um, that is really, I I'd say it's like one of the most ideal places probably to go flying at. It was just, I was there like in September. So it was a beautiful time of the year there. And, uh, so, most of Ohio is very flat, a lot of farmland. Uh, you get to southeast Ohio, you start running into the Appalachians, so you start getting more uh, hills and uh, more heavily wooded and stuff. But uh, yeah, we tend to have pretty good uh, good flying uh, around here most of the time. Definitely, Perfect. I would agree. So when we had you on the first time, it was, and we had this year, like 20, around 2020, 2021, where we were talking about planes we couldn't get. So yeah. we had a nice conversation with you about all the planes we, you couldn't get for us. And <laughs> here's all the things I wish we could get, but we don't. Yeah. Have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and over the last, say, three or four months, that's changed, right? Yeah. So finally, you know, after all the craziness from pandemic and everything else, um, yeah, we've got our planes, a bunch of other planes in. Um, over uh, over the course of about the three months, over the last couple months of last year, we had three uh, shipping containers coming from overseas. So um, a lot of planes. So uh, yeah, everything from our Strix planes to uh, you know to some stuff from XUAV and Sonic Model and Zod and Skywalker. You know, a lot of stuff came in. So yeah, finally reloaded with some planes. It's it's nice to have things to actually put on the shelves and sell and fly again. Being from the UK, I, I don't really look on the ready-made RC website. It, you know, there's extra shipping costs and that kind of thing too often. Uh, you have everything in stock. You have absolutely <laughs> everything in stock. That yeah, like except, all, for all, uh. except for what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we need to buy some more Bruce Sky. So, but yes, yeah, so when it comes to planes. Yeah, yeah, you've got all the goblins. You've got even got like the anaconda. You've literally got everything. I'm, I might have to do like a big order. There or you something. go. Time to shop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we actually have FedEx has a new uh, shipping method that um, is uh, is meant for e-commerce. That's it's more reasonable. 
I've seen nanogoblins now go. It, it seems to vary pretty widely around the world, but I've seen them going to like the UK or um, just had a nanogoblin going to Austria uh, this week. And it was only like $25, $30. And it's almost yeah. as fast as regular FedEx Express International. And their brokerage is prepaid, not the customs duties and stuff. But, you know, one of the complaints yeah. a lot of people always had with FedEx International was their brokerage fees. But this actually includes the brokerage fees, too. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it still gets really pricey when you get the bigger planes. I mean, it's mm -hmm. the dimensional weights. You can't do much about that. But they're not. They're, not, they're better than they used to be, uh, honestly, uh, some of the shipping prices. So, yeah. UK yeah. has some weird import rules, so we do have. That's like the only country in the world that we have a minimum order size. Mm. Uh, it's because they changed the rules like a year and a half ago. It's really strange. You gotta, if it's under uh, 135 pounds, we would technically have to register and prepay all your VAT and duties and everything. It's really strange. So we just set a minimum price and still yeah. goes the old school way. Yeah, countries won by wankers, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know if it had anything to do with the Brexit stuff, or, or if they just decided they were missing out on all these small items. It's really strange. It's the only country in the world that has yeah. that that rule. I think it was more to make it look like they're doing something to tackle uh, overseas tax evasion. Yep, but yeah. sounds instead, about right. Instead, they hit the small companies rather than the big ones who can still get away with it exactly the same as they have been for years. So. Now, wasn't the yeah. EU having a problem with this as well? Because I thought that was one of the reasons why Bangladesh isn't doing so well right now is they, they have some new regulations coming for the EU. Um, it's The way they handle it is different. They, they still have the same sort of VAT requirements, but as far as I understand, the way that they handle goods coming into the EU is, is different. Goods are, you, you don't need to register with the individual companies uh, tax offices for example where you do with the uk which is ridiculous really strange correct. yeah yeah a uh, question for tim in the chat right now uh since from mps errors uh since ready rc has the mfd nimbus on pre-order any chance you will have the mfd mini crosswind available as well we could get that. Um, actually, I need to change the tag. We put that as pre-order. We got some. We're out of them. We are getting some more, so I guess we can still call it pre-order. But um, So the mini uh, Nimbus as well, uh, we actually are getting in an order. It's not going to go till after the Chinese New Year. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll check into that. We, we buy those kind of indirectly through one of our companies. They buy them for us and put them in the containers with our other planes. Um, yeah, definitely. I can look at that. Those, uh, the ones we got uh, in the last batch sold pretty fast, the full size. Um, so we'd like to get some more of the stuff from them in general. I know that, uh, they've always done well. I know people don't want to hear me just like talking about the planes I can find on your website, but you even got like an X8 in stock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those were out for a yes. long time. Yeah, yeah. Those were, yeah, yeah. Those have been really hard to get. And finally, I literally uh, haven't seen an X8 in stock in years and I've looked, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a really, that, that manufacturer is very difficult to communicate with. Okay. And a same thing, we actually worked through one of our other uh, companies and they handled it since they can communicate more easily with them and uh, um, managed to get us some. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Uh, yeah, you look and like, wait, crazy. wait, that's in stock, too. That's in stock, yeah. too. We're kind of thinking the same thing. We walk back and see all the boxes stacked up. Yes. So, so without me needing to look on your website, have you got the 1.3 uh, receivers? 
We still have, yeah, we still have the 1.3 receiver. Right, yeah. so Luke, if you are going to order something, I might duck okay. something onto that yeah, order. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're working, you know, ours are made a little bit different than a lot of the other ones, specifically so they work well with UHF uh, control. Um, we are, try to grab what you can because we're actually, uh, some parts have been, some components our end of life and we are working to try to find alternatives but we're having a bit of a hard time so uh the performance we're going to do what we can to to keep them where they are but that uh specific uh feature of those uh the, the tolerance of dealing with uhf systems relatively close by uh is, we're yeah we're hey, a little bit concerned <laughs> Mark, I hate to put you on the spot. Is it possible you can throw up the um, ready-made RC website so we can start talking about some of the models? Just yeah, uh, I would probably go to the. Uh, there's a plane relaunched uh, category that kind of has all the the stuff. Yeah, so Mark's giving me a grimace in the background, but he's getting to work on it, so it's awesome. Yeah, we'll have, I, put him I, on the spot. I will open it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. I appreciate that because I want to go through the planes and talk about it. The one thing I want to say though, before we get into that, is that um, you know it's kind of the same thing. What we have with you, the same thing we have with Chris Click with Right Wing, which is you know we're trying to support the vendors who, especially the people who've had a really hard time getting their stuff in stock. Now that's in stock. We really, this is the time to show up and start ordering models. So Yeah, it's funny. We uh, we just sold the last of one of the right-wing planes, and uh, uh, it was this week. And literally within like half an hour, Chris messaged me, hey, you going to be reordering some planes again? I'm like, what are you, spying on us? It just was a coincidence <laughs> that someone had asked him uh, about another part that we didn't have in stock from him. Um, if you go to uh, the the shop categories in the top left and drop that down, and then uh, choose um, the planes relaunched right below, you're right there. Uh, the it's like right there. I bought right yep. there. That's like basically all the stuff that we recently got in. Um, so, so let's talk about them one at a time. The Strix Goblin FPV. That was Darren. You have love for that plane, so tell tell us about that. Oh, it's it's a great plane. It's such a, an efficient plane that's that's the thing the, the thing that i really like about it is it, it, you know m most of these cruisers you're cruising about 30 40 miles an hour which i i get bored with to be quite honest <laughs> so I, I like a bit more speed but the, the the goblin you can cruise pretty efficiently at sort of 60 70 miles an hour it's it's such a nice you know drag free airframe and it, it handles very well too so yeah great aircraft and the Nano is just as nice, to be honest. I, I really need to build mine still. <laughs> um, yeah, great, great planes. Strix Goblin, okay, fantastic. Yeah, that one is, that one's kind of a heavy plane though, isn't it, when you get it together? We uh, have, uh, it can be. It, we have actually two options now we're doing. Instead of plug and plays, we actually have ARPs with all the parts. And we have a lightweight version um, and then a, a higher performance version. A lightweight version just has a smaller motor, smaller smaller ESC, uh, lighter weight servos. Um, and um, but I mean, it's it's I definitely I always say that that one needs to be for a not necessarily fully advanced, but someone with some good experience flying. because um, yeah, it's going to go where you point it. And it's going to go there fast. And uh, launching is a little bit more difficult for some people if you're not used to having to really chuck a plane and not you know flip it over and stuff 
yeah it does need a good launch that plane that's that's the only real downside about it um yeah. i mean mine i guess is reasonably heavy i, I sort of stick a 3300 4s in it um and it's all stock so it's the uh the cobra motor that came with the original so i don't, I don't I guess probably about maybe thousand grams one 1.2 kilograms something like that yeah, yeah. but that's that's pretty Once light. It's in the air, you don't you don't notice the weight at all, but it is quick. It does land quick. So yeah, experience it really does help with it. But it's fantastic. You Looks mentioned like, you know how it cruises. I mean that's that's where landing you know is uh, can be a challenge for some because it has no drag, so it it doesn't want to slow down. You know, yeah, you, you have to chop the a long, a long time before you want to come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you still land hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looks like it could take pretty big batteries, and it looks like it'd be good for mid-range to long-range FPV or somewhat long-range FPV. Well, definitely can be. You know, we have we had that uh, that you see that banner on the bottom of the time-distance speed where we did a competition for people uh, um, for basically how long can they fly, how far can they fly distance-wise, and then um, and cumulative distance, and then top speed. You know, that Rupert White. Uh, got the, the speed record on that 256 miles per hour i don't, can't remember what that works out to kilometers but, uh, um uh yeah that works out to uh 320 or something 411 kilometers per hour yeah, so I don't speed know that, <laughs> turbine jets fly at that speed that's insane yeah. um now his his was pretty far from stock but if even you look second second place was 217 miles an hour third place was 180 i mean it because it's so efficient you get power on it and uh you know it, it takes a little bit more a little bit of reinforcement when you're going to do that but uh yeah it's it's super super slick and you know we had the the record for distance cumulative distance was 93 miles so wow you know That's it's insane. definitely a it can be a long range plane so luke there's a competition here yeah, somebody has put up a speed record on this plane. It sounds like it's up to you to to, to challenge that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if Rupert's done it, he you know he's usually pretty good. I'm not sure there's much left on the table for me to he, get. He really. Uh, we've had a couple people cl saying they're going to try to beat him, but that's going to be a challenge. He exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rupert's no slouch. No, yeah. Rupert knows how to fly fast. Yeah. Yes, he does. I mean, I, I'll certainly give it a go, but I wouldn't expect to beat it. No, I mean, from what I remember, he had a complete carbon fiber rear end that was custom made yeah. running yeah, the, the Leopard Inrunner. Yeah, it's yeah. a big, big old Leopard Inrunner. Well, actually, Luke, Luke's got the Inrunner, so he's already part of the way there. <laughs> That's, you know, are you using, um, you switched over from Cobra to the Sunny Sky motors as well, right? Well, and it's kind of, the, we offer the options. In the case of the, the two options on that, uh, they are both, oh no, one's e, uh, the, the lightweight one is an Emacs. Uh, it's essentially a quad motor. Um, and then the, the high, ultra performance one is the Sunny Sky, uh, the X, the through the V3 series. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of weird stuff happened with uh, Cobra, and you know we were working directly with the manufacturer in China, and then they just disappeared, and uh, some weird uh, politics involved with that, I think, and uh, yeah, so hmm. they they sort of exist, but it's not the same company anymore. But yeah. <laughs> so Tim, are you wanted to talk about your? I we didn't prep before the show. Uh, no, your no. relationship with Dale. 
Yeah, Dale over at Buddy RC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're they're local. Uh, you know, they're you know a half hour away from us, and we we work with them. You know, they uh, they wholesale some of this stuff, like the Sunny Sky Motors. So we work with them on that, and we you know we've even worked with them bringing stuff over from China together and stuff. You know, good good bunch of guys over there. Yeah, I got a chance to meet them last year, and um, let's say it in my uh, daytime job, I had to go over there, and they were sitting down with a bunch of old FR Sky radios and they weren't very happy. We walked in and there was three of them sitting there, right? It was Dale and, and Dan and Dan. Uh, yeah. And probably Eddie, Eddie. Yes. Eddie. Yep. And so F Eddie's the FPV guy. So I was like, I'm like, man, we drove all the way to Columbus, Ohio, just to have our butts reamed out by these guys, you know, and they were kind of <laughs> like within a couple minutes, you pull out the X 20 radio and Dan starts playing with it. He starts giggling. This is so fun. You know? <laughs> and they are such a great bunch of guys. I mean, really, you know, really impressed me. Uh, Dale is just real nice guy. Genuine yep. nice. Yeah. So um, I want to, I know you guys we were talking about coming out to the, uh, there's a Toledo show. We might out. do that this year. Yeah, I know they will so, be I mean, because they, yeah, they have some of the Ohio model product stuff that they work with that they'll be up there for that. So right now it's on my agenda to come out and see you guys. And so fantastic. Um, but yeah, the reason that I knew Dale, I was a customer of theirs. I didn't know it is because Sunny Sky USA is Buddy RC or that's one yep. of the little divisions they have. And um, since, you know, that is a place where you can get legitimate Sunny Sky motors. And that's one of the bigger issues I've, I think we run into is there's a lot of fake Sunny Sky motors floating around coming out of China. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's always tough to know, you know, if you're not talking, if you're not sure you're talking to the manufacturer or main distributor, it's tough to know you're getting the good stuff. So we know they are, obviously. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. he has a good so relationship with them. But the thing is, is like, you can kind of like, we know you and it's just kind of like, you know, once you start to know the people in the industry, there are some people that there are a lot of nice people in the industry, but there's just very few people who are like, wow, this is a really great outfit. So you, you know, Buddy RC, you obviously, you know, thank you, thank you. Chris over at Right Wing, and just these yep. people that really stand out and promote the hobby. So that's really one of the main reasons we like having you on the show is because you really, you know, you're behind the hobby more than anything else. Well, I, I, I kind of equate it with there, there are people who are in the hobby business because they've enjoyed the hobby business and just wanted to be a part of it. And, and, and I think a, lar a large number of the uh, businesses are like that. And there are some that are probably in it more for the money. You know, they saw some money opportunity and maybe don't care as much. But yeah, definitely, uh, you know, like you said, Dale and the guys over at Buddy RC, they're, you know, yeah, they're they're in it because they love it. And the same with Chris and lots of other people out there. I mean, you know, there's there's the good guys in the industry, and that's they're definitely some of the best. And I always notice the good guys in the industry are the people who actually go out and fly. You know, who actually right, right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they enjoy flying themselves, not just trying to sell a product. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So uh, can we go back to that? And let's go down to the next plane on the list. There, I wanted to see. We talked about the. Goblin, the full-size Goblin. There's the Nano Goblin, I think was the next one on the list. Yep, Nano Goblins. Yeah, that one is a, I've actually flown that plane. That thing is actually handles wind very well. It's kind of an impressive little plane. People are surprised when they see how light it can be, and but yet how you can just go fly in weather that you would normally 
Uh, a lot of us wouldn't want to fly a lot of other planes in, especially something that light. You'd think it would just blow away. But yeah, you know, both the Goblin and the Nano Goblin were uh, designed uh, by Cavan uh, out in California. Um, we're actually working with him on another plane, possibly. Uh, wow. Can't say much about that. Um, but uh, <laughs> you heard it here um, first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, he, you know, his designs are incredible. Um, you know, he's uh, very meticulous about the, he likes to really understand what's going on with the aerodynamics of the planes and stuff. And it shows in how these planes fly, um, you know, and they're two definitely distinct designs, the Goblin and Nano Goblin, um, although they're both planks, they, you know, the Nano Goblin was really designed a little bit more for being a, a slower flyer, you know, lightweight. Um, it can fly fast, um, but it's designed to stay light and slow. And, you know, you can fly that. You know, I think uh, I always say the Nano Goblin's good for people that are kind of like to want to fly like quad flyers a little bit because you can fly down and under obstacles and low and, you know, and and it doesn't break as easily because it's so light. So you wind up, uh, you know, just bouncing off of things and you get to relaunch it. So, yeah. So am I the uh, only guy here that's flown this plane? Have anyone else here flown this? Oh, the Nano? Yes. Yeah, I've had one. Well, I've had mine broken for years. <laughs> We've got yeah. parts now. Um, they, they do break, they do break uh, when they're coming in a bit too low, a bit too fast. <laughs> can break them, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's foam. So you know, a little bit of uh, foam tack or something like foam tack, uh, usually they're back together. So. Yeah, but I've got, I've got a, a, a new kit that I'm going to build out for a, a light one. And that one, I was maybe going to try and go for something a bit faster. I we definitely this uh, cave, oh. this cave flight oh. video here is pretty crazy. <laughs> I've not seen that before. You know, it's funny. I think uh, I think that was Ryan that actually did that flying back when they did the the cave event for the quad racing. You know, the advantage of that cave is that there is zero wind in there. So you know, oh, wow. think about how much that oh. makes uh, how much easier. You're not fighting the bouncing and stuff you'll get from that. But yeah, just to fly a plane in a such a small space like that. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe how well they're flying with such bad yeah. video. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it is really bad, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, uh, this yeah. is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Flying through the static, you know, we've all done that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, but this is just like constant static. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the best RF conditions there. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> There's one guy we have in the group. Um, it's like the first year we had him in the group. He went up to the Matterhorn, not the one at Disneyland, but the actual real Matterhorn Visitor Center, where you yeah. park your car and you go look at the Matterhorn from you know, the comfort of miles away. And he took this plane up and he flew it to the top of the Matterhorn, and it was really it was kind of impressive. Um, I saw that, a video. I don't know if I saw the same video. I saw someone do that. I feel like that was with the Goblin, but I'm not 100 percent sure was, about that. I thought it was, it was oh, the Goblin. No, it's a Nano. It was a nano. Okay. Okay. It was, yeah, he got out of his, he told the story, he got out of his trunk and, you know, at the visitor center, he just took off, put his FEV gear on and he just took off and he flew to the top of it, gets to the top. Then he goes down the face of it, just like straight down. And he, I guess it was a GoPro and he stabilized it. It was like the most mesmerizing video ever. Really impressed with that. It and wouldn't it have been was... a GoPro on a Nano Goblin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would have like weigh as much as the whole plane. It, yeah, I think it, yeah. it might have been one of those uh, um, uh, Insta three sixty uh, smaller ones, or, or a Run Cam two. Or it might have been a Run. Yeah, yeah, it could have been Run yeah. Cam two. Yeah, it was something. It was a couple. It was, I think it was like two thousand nineteen. This happened. Oh, yeah, it's been. Yeah, it has been a couple of years. 
Yeah. yeah. And, jeez, uh, it was just like, you look at this video and you're like, wow. I mean, I guess the best part of all is when he was done, he just put it in his trunk and took off, you know. A little tiny plane, you don't, yeah, you don't even hear it, you know, see it. People probably didn't even know it was there. That's I mean, kind of a... Like, they are really quiet. The, and the other thing about them is that that's a plane that, I mean, it seems like everyone, like, falls in love with the Ranger uh, or the smaller plane, the He-Wing planes. Mm-hmm. But this is a plane that's a proven platform. And this thing is, you know, now that it's back in stock, this might be, like, the plane this year for people to start playing with. And, you know, because they're not horribly expensive. It was like $129 to get the ESC, the motor, and the plane, right? Uh, the 129 is, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's with the uh, actual, um, I didn't realize my developer actually fixed that. It used to show, kind of threw me off. It used to show the price of just the plane by itself until you went into the plane, into the plane. Uh, so yeah, 128. And that's, again, we did, we did something, we tried something new when we got these, um, and we did kind of these choose your electronics are so, in the case of the Nano Goblin, you got you can choose your motor and, and ESC. You can choose your servos, so the price can change depending on what you go with. But the default option is yeah, 129 bucks, um, and uh, yeah, that's all the the stuff. And you can get the glue if you need it and all that. So, um, but yeah, it's it's the Nano Goblin for me is still my favorite plane. I think partially because it's just you know you you grab it and go. It's quick. You know, you just throw a battery in and it's ready to go. Um, you know, you don't have to assemble it. You don't have to try to fit it anywhere. It can, you know, fit in, you know, I've seen people put them in backpacks. You got to be kind of careful of that, but, you know, maybe mount it, strap it to the back of a backpack or something and, uh, just go with it. Little vacation plane then is what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. always been the problem is, you know, it's now that our cars are smaller, especially in Europe, you get a lot of smaller cars, except for Darren. He has like the 68 Camaro or something like that still. <laughs> but uh, um, we have these smaller cars. And, you know, if you're like my family, it's like everything gets packed into the small car and you get like about half a foot to put all your FUV stuff in there. Or you get to put it under your feet or something like that when you're driving. And so, yeah, this is... Uh, it's nice to have a small plane like this, so you can kind of fit in the tight spaces and take with you. So fantastic. What's the next plane on the list here, Mark? Is I think it's the Stratosurfer. Mark's leg. No, I, I, I throw him off. Sorry about that, Mark. So we'll, we'll get back to you in a second. I'm, I'm bringing it up. No worries. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just kind of, uh, these are all, it's kind of fun because we haven't seen these planes in a long time. So, oh, there it is. Look at that. I know this yeah, plane. Look at that. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that great article you just uh, just posted, right? I think you just made that live yesterday. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, Stratosurfer was kind of based off of the Sky Surfer slash Bixler slash any of those, like, pusher-style planes. Um, but we kind of took the things that, uh, you know, that we, that we always – we either modified on the other planes or things that we wanted to do on the other planes – you know, gave it uh, more flat aerobatic wings. They're still pretty stable. You know, still can still can function as a trainer if you want it to, but also can fly a little bit more performance. Um, you know, a lot of room inside with a blow molded fuselage. You know, we kind of uh, evolved that. You know, t- took the ideas from those other planes and and made it our own essentially. So, yeah. all right. So this plane, uh, blow molded 
fuselage. Mark, you go back to that one, that orange fuselage. Is there any access into the sides of the fuselage? The sides? Yeah, you know, like often uh, when you're building a Bixler or a an Easy Star uh, no, for doesn't. FPV, you have to like cut into it. No, you can. I mean, it, you can go straight in. You can go from the wing area, which you can barely you can just barely see at the top of that, the picture there. Oh, or yeah. Or you can go straight oh, down. So, okay. and there's actually a platform back there for flight controllers and stuff. You can just see the edge of it. Um, oh, that floats better than like the Easy Star then, because the Easy Star. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so, yeah, first of all, uh, there's a nice platform there at the top, and it goes right under the wings, and you can put all your stuff. Um, this is probably a good opportunity to put in something like a Matek uh, wing board where they have the remote um, like USB connections so that you can, you can have the flight controller hidden away, and then you just have, you pull out the, the uh, USB port whenever you need to get into INAV. That fuselage is really insane. I mean, that blow molded plastic, because I've had the Ranger. Uh, this is kind of my forte. I like these planes. <clears throat> the Ranger also has a fuselage, but it's nothing like this. It is a much thinner plastic. Um, this is, I mean, you can hurt people with this fuselage. It's so thick. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we, uh, we actually, at, uh, at events uh, a couple years ago, we actually had like a... Um, a contest essentially used the fuselage of the plane as a wiffle ball bat, and uh, we're we're having people hit wiffle balls. Uh, I'm just, I don't know if you guys have the same thing over in Europe. You know what that is? Just the plastic, you know, lightweight uh, balls, and and having them hit while well, you know through FPV video, they were hitting uh, the balls off of a tee uh, with the bat or with the uh, fuselage, and it and it went through everyone using it. You know, of course, it got a little bit dinged up, but uh, survived. Yeah. And there's loads of space in there for putting huge batteries. Um, so this is an interesting little plane. That the flat wings on that make it something that flies a lot different. I feel than a Bixler does. A Bixler kind of floats around and kind of meanders around. This thing just goes from point A to point B, perfectly straight. And so this is more like a traditional tractor-fed plane than a regular plane. Um, than a Bixler style plane. So if you want to have something where you want one of these planes, but you don't want to have something that's too floaty or something too slow, this is absolutely a great plane for that. Yeah. Um, I, and Steve, you, you build it, you, you not only took what it was, but then you, you painted it up, you, you put uh, um, film on it. Like you really yeah. uh, took it to the whole next level with your build too. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, that was, I, I wrote about that. I kind of talked about how, you know, what I used to paint it. And well, you don't need to paint a lot of it because the wings, the fuselage is already finished. So all I had to do was just kind of match the color scheme of orange and gray. And um, But I took this thing out to the beach. Uh, this was a couple days before Christmas. And it was, we had, it was the last really nice flying day in Southern California. Put in a 5,200 milliamp, 3S battery. I was up there for about 40, 37 minutes, I think. And it was just a gorgeous day on the beach. And I was flying down to the pier on one end, all the way to the jetty on the other end. And I mean, I was turning this plane like every four or five minutes because the ones were so long. Um, and, you know, it's a plane that kind of really just likes to fly straight and the, the turns are perfect. There's no problems with it, but this is just, just nice plane to just get out and cruise with. And, um, 
It's a good you know. therapy plane. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I wrote something about INAV therapy, and I used that with this plane. I was just kind of, yeah, I had a couple of rough days right before Christmas, and uh, really wanted to have a real nice, you know, get the FPV goggles on and just get lost in the flight, and that was what this plane did. So really impressed with it. It's definitely, you know, I have Bixlers. I love Bixlers uh, and the Rangers. This one is a different plane altogether, I think. Um, next one is the Anaconda, it looks like. So we haven't seen that one in a long time. What Tell us about this plane. So that one, um, yeah, that one is, uh, it has been around for a while. And that's kind of a more traditional, what people think of as a drone, you know, and if they're, it looks like a military drone, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, with the landing gear, then you get that whole different experience of, you know, taking off and landing, you know, traditionally, I guess you'd say, instead of all these, you know, we're kind of all used to these hand launch planes, but uh, um, massive amount of space inside. So you can, you know, put uh, whatever you want, carry payloads. We've had people transport things with them. You know, we've, we've had people use them for, you know, transporting aid and stuff and just, uh, various things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a workhorse plane. Um, definitely looks more like a drone though. Um, has the pod attachment on the nose, um, allows you to put a camera like a GoPro up there if you want, um, as a, some mounting points, if you want to mount something else up there. Um, you know, that, that comes with some Sturable front gear is that oh yeah okay that's great yeah yeah it's fully steerable front gear very heavy heavily built a very strong build um can fly you know long distances if you want to you know it we have a 4s and a 6s set up for that one um you know we've before the rules started getting more strict because this plane has been around a while i mean we've flown to awfully high altitudes with this plane and awfully long distances but uh don't do that anymore once they they got a little bit more strict with the rules, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very capable plane. And I think we found that a lot of colleges and schools like to use this too, because of hey, Mark, having a year and stuff. Can you pull down a little bit? I want to see what, what the payload is on this, what the maximum weight is. All right. Um, I don't know that we said max. It's one of those questions is, you know, a lot of planes, you can keep adding weight as long as you add speed, right? You know, it's, it's, you know, obviously there's a limit there. Um, but, um, I would say we've, I've seen people put over five pounds of extra on top of the batteries. You know, we, when we were flying it on 4S, we were using two 5,200, uh, 4S in parallel. Uh, and, and, uh, and now that we have the 6S set up, um, we, we have like a 12,000, uh, 6S that we would recommend, but it'll hold way more than that. I mean, you actually, that actually puts that weight up in the nose, and it's got uh, space underneath the wings to mount uh, to put stuff. So, it has a twenty-eight, twenty-six, eight hundred sixty kV okay motor. So that with a thirteen-inch for the 4S, yeah, for yeah. a thirteen-inch prop, yeah. Or is it? Um, that's um, it. Could do six S with a thirteen-inch prop. Um, yeah, if you scroll down a little bit more, uh, you can see our 6S setup is a lower kV motor, 500 kV. It's a small-ish motor, but it's plenty. It actually only pulls about 35 amps with the 13 by, what do we work, 13 by 8 in that case um, with 6S. Um, and that thing will pop off the ground. You know, if you don't have any anything other than the battery and, you know, uh, you know the basics in it, um, you can get that thing off the ground in, you know, 5, 10 meters easily um with that 
uh, even with that much weight in it, um, you know, with the battery, large battery in it. So does it, does it have flaps or is it, the flaps are okay. So I wish, uh, I don't know if, yeah, I wish I had a video to show real. So, uh, because of the, the, uh, you, you have the, the, the poles going back for the, um, for the rear, um, rudder vader. Um, we actually wound up doing, uh, something with the, the, the space for flaps kind of on the inside was really small. And we really wanted something to be able to slow it down. You can kind of see it in that picture. It actually has, uh, I don't know if it's the only RC plane, but if there are, I don't know of others. It actually has leading edge slats on it as well. So when you drop the flaps, the front edge of the wing will also drop down. Um, trying to, man, I, I, we should have had a better uh, picture of that in there to show it. Um, Okay, but yeah, that's yeah, you so, can see it. You can see it a little bit here in that video thumbnail. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, and it's they're essentially a cutout. So, you know, like, when it when, like you, when you get it, yeah, yeah, the leading edge essentially will drop down, and then with the flaps coming down in the back, you actually kind of like an airliner will get a much larger uh, airfoil, uh, and it helps play to that slow video. It down. Let's see what this does. Um, the one down lower. The, the one down is, is this one or the one down lower? Is we should be looking at. I don't wow. know if that, I can't remember if RC group set up the, you can see them that cut into the wing there. Uh, that didn't look like they cut them out. You, they're by default, they're, they're stationary. You just have to cut out a couple of little blocks of foam, uh, that hold them in place. Um, and then add the, the hardware. Um, so, so what, um, what's the cruising speed on this thing? Is this like, you have to maintain a pretty fast speed. Looks like, um, I would say, uh, you can, depending on how it's loaded, um, you know, you can cruise, uh, Sorry, going to use our, our measurements again. About 35, 40 uh, is pretty decent cruise uh, speed. Um, you can definitely go faster. Um, if you hit about 90, you're going to start to get a little oscillation. Uh, you got to watch uh, with the tail. Um, but, uh, you know, you're not. this is not a plane designed to fly, you know, 90 miles an hour. So Will it do 90 um, with that 28, 26 motor? I mean, in a dive, not low. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> we we found out in a dive we accidentally went over ninety, uh, well over ninety. Didn't realize we were we were running low on battery and pushed the nose down uh, from pretty high altitude and started to uh, shudder a little bit and realized we were getting around a hundred plus uh, miles an hour. So, uh, um, was whoops. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, um, yeah, we, we need to put out a video, I guess, showing those uh, slats because that's anytime anyone sees that in person, they're like, what? I've never seen that in an RC plane before. Um, I don't remember if that other video shows it better that was uh, further down. Um, I'm actually looking on my computer here real quick. Because uh, uh, we made these videos quite a while ago. Let me turn that down. Yeah, I haven't seen this plane stock in many years. No, yeah, it, it was it was out for a while. You know, it, the you know the thing we've always run into is these some of these types of planes have. Uh, you, you can, can see, see a little it, bit. You can uh, see them down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, all these have minimum order quantities, and it although this plane sells well, it doesn't sell fast. And uh, you know, with with especially with uh, pandemic related stuff, uh, it was tough to put that much into a large batch of these things. So we were able to do it this time around, though. So. Have so you have these in stock right now? I'm so, yeah, these are in stock. Yeah, we actually have the. That's kind of how anyone? we feel. We actually have them in stock. Have you seen anyone convert one to a Vito with like four motors? You know. I, yes, um, I know that uh, years ago uh, someone did a Pixhawk uh, conversion, um, 
I'm not sure I've seen a nine av conversion yet. Um, it's been a while. Um, yeah, they basically extended the, um, the carbon fiber forward. You know, yeah. it's got a kind of a unique mounting for that tail. The carbon fiber inserts in and has the essentially headphone jacks that plug in when you push it in. So okay. you can take that whole tail off. You just have mm -hmm. to loosen four uh, kind of clamps on there. Um, so if you're going to do that conversion, you got to bypass that, you know, and make yeah. the, you run your wires separately for your uh, tail. Um, but it has been done. It would actually be a pretty neat since, uh, especially with like the VTOL board uh, from Maytech and stuff, that would be a neat conversion. Yeah, exactly. Um, with those twin booms, it's already got the mounting points mm -hmm. for two of the four motors. So, yeah, definitely have seen it. We had considered making a kit. We started going down that path and then just, just mm. one of those things that fell by the wayside. Um, mm. Since it changes fundamentally how that carbon fiber mounts, it was a little bit bigger deal, but it, it can be done, definitely. Mm. I'm thinking about this uh, for a project. There's something I have in mind for this plane. This would be kind of perfect. I'll talk to you about that offline, Tim. But okay. this thing is, yeah, this is, yeah, this, you know, this is interesting because this has been out for so many years. This completely came off the radar, but now that's back, it, it's really compelling, especially in today's age where this is something that you can really load up with batteries. So you can make your own lithium ion packs, load this thing up, and, you know, take this out quite a distance more so than the FAA would like to know about, but, um, you know, it looks like if you're looking for a, like a really good ultimate long range FPV platform, something in the same spirit as the sky hunter, this would probably be it. Yeah. This is a little bit heavier duty than the sky hunter, but kind of similar look, you know, that we need to, for some reason, all our, we didn't put all the pictures in the, that, um, that choose your electronics version. If you look on the right side, the Anaconda kit, has a lot more pictures uh, in it of the plane. Um, oh yeah, the transfer over um, kind of shows the the interior a little bit more, the 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 mounting spaces for cameras and stuff. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can also see, there, see yeah. the the slats. Mm. Yeah, so and they're, 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 about actually, tail. they're actually mechanically linked to the flaps as well. Yeah, like it's, the, it's the exact. Yep, same servo that does the the flaps does the leading edge slats. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, and it really does. You can slow that plane down really well with that. Um, stays very stable. Um, the wing design is kind of works well for that. Even when you start getting down to slower speeds, um, still stays very stable. Um, you know, and with the V, the V, you know, you, if you're not familiar, you know, once you get that set, um, you know, it's a, gives a kind of a different flying experience too, but still has good rudder control and so forth. Hmm. Darren, have you ever seen a tail like that before or worked with one of those before? Oh, I've seen one, but not flown one. Yeah, um, yeah I can't remember what the plane was called, but there was one similar to God, the look at that. Nano Sky Hunter. Look the size of that. It, I mean, that looks like you could put a football in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, those... those <laughs> American uh, football, yeah. <laughs> those battery packs that you can fit in there are huge, yeah. It's... Uh, um, uh, but by the way, regarding VTOL, what I would do, I wouldn't uh, install four motors on that one. I would install basically a third motor here on the back yeah, and make a tricopter. Yeah, you could do that, but it's, there, there are advantages to both, you know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. nice having a, a true quad, quad as well, you know, none of the complicated tilt mechanisms and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you have to tilt two motors at least so, uh, anyway, so... Uh, Why do you have you to tilt have... two motors at least? Yeah, if you have a quad motor? No, because you can just leave the fifth motor on it as well. Oh, okay, but then you have to... Yeah. Uh, uh, even more drag and even carry more stuff 
with you. So it's whether you yeah. want complexity or lightweight. Obviously, I, I have both, so you know, uh, <laughs> but they, they both work. Just you know, what you want for what. It's one of those things, you know, yeah, sometimes people want to mess with that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have more weight, more drag, mm. uh, but with four motors on there on the on the um, carbon fiber spar. But, um, mm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's like I said, we seem to get a lot of interest in uh, colleges and uh, companies that are doing, you know, maybe some work overseas. Um, uh, you know, this is uh, a good project for people in Ukraine, possibly occasionally. Um, yeah, you know, be able to. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> we can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This and this and some 1.3 gigahertz gear uh, could really do do a lot to to help see some things. So, um, yeah. I, I go into places that I'm not really allowed to talk about, but I've seen planes similar to this being used in professional applications. So yeah, this is this is a hell of a format. I mean, and I, I don't know, Steve. It really sounds like you just said everything. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't leave much no, to we, imagination. I, I will say we certainly have had. There are a few companies that are using this in commercial applications too. Yeah, um, yeah. definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, so, this is, and this we is actually. We actually slightly modified the mold with this batch because of that, because it, the previously the ready-made RC logo was molded right into the side of the fuselage. Um, but because a few companies want to do some other things with it, we've, we've had that uh, machined out of the mold so uh, they can brand it how they want to brand it. What, uh, what's the wingspan on this? Uh, one point, hold on. Um, I don't remember now. Uh, Let's go down a little further. Here. Two meters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, one two point six. Sorry, I was a length. Yeah, it's, yeah, just 2. over two point six. Yeah, Jeez, two point zero six. Yeah, two point zero six. That's a that's a good size wingspan. That's larger than the Skyhunter too. The Skyhunter's yes. uh, eighteen hundred. This is two thousand. Yeah, so this is a lot heavier plane. You know, the Skyhunter is you're going to belly land. This one, even if you took landing gear off, you're not going to want to belly land this one. It's just not meant for that. Um, so. Uh, you know, it was never designed. I always designed to use landing gear. And um, is, is it the landing gear screwed into wood in the bottom of the fuselage? Yeah, in the back, there's a kind of a, a wood sandwich uh, inside and outside the, the the foam, and then on the front, uh, it's got a large uh, plastic molded uh, section that's kind of glued up into the foam that holds the servo and the and the uh, steering assembly and everything. Are these nine gram servos or are they larger servos? Uh, they're larger. Uh, let's see. The trying to remember now. The it has two sizes. It used twenty-seven gram, um, and that would be the uh, trying to remember where the that steering is the larger one, and I believe the the it, um, yeah, I believe it's the yeah the the main ailerons are the larger servo, and then the seventeen gram um, for the uh, the tail. Okay. Uh, yeah. Larger servos, so standard size servos, probably for, yeah. Getting or, close to standard. They're not quite full size servos, but it's 27 grams are getting a little bit bigger. They're the ES9258s if you'd use the, the Emacs for the for the larger servos. Um, yeah, this is, that's a really neat format right there. Really impressed, you know, and it has a real simple landing gear on there too, because, and you have the landing gear for sale as well in case. Yeah, people... we actually have a taller landing gear, a separate, just in a kit uh, to, to make it a little bit taller for people that are carrying things underneath it. Cause it does do that well as well. So. 
Yeah, because now we're starting to get like uh, with HD zero and with the uh, DJI, we're starting to get planes that are FPV gear where we can go out quite a distance. And, you know, so then all of a sudden you want to have big battery packs to go the distance. And if we could build one of these planes, this looks like a much better option to me than a Sky Hunter. Sky Hunter always seems to be kind of not. I mean, the people who love that plane, but I always felt like the fun wasn't really that great on that plane. It's a really lightweight plane, but it's really versatile. I, I do like the Sky Hunter, but it's kind of a different plane. You know, it it's like you said, it's a it's a much less dense foam. Uh, the, I guess you know, um, it's just and it's not built as structurally strong. Um, got a little bit more wiggle to it, um, but it, it's you know we carry those two, and it's definitely got a place as well. Um, the Anaconda has more room inside, uh, you know, because of the length of that fuselage. Looks like you possibly can mount a DSLR on there too and get get some incredible videos with that. Or I've seen people but, do that. Um, yeah. yeah, we kind of have marked on the bottom right under the CG, kind of a square that's just recessed in the foam that kind of gives you a target if you want to cut an opening in the bottom. And then people will mount equipment kind of up inside and let it hang down or even have seen a few people put things that will drop down um, once you're up in the air. Uh, yeah, that, the thing about, you know, that was originally one of the main reasons why I got in back into this hobby was because I wanted to get an FPV plane that I could do video and photos and things like that. And the problem is a lot of these smaller planes just really cannot accommodate quality photographic gear you need something big and sturdy something like this to work with it yeah no. there's uh there's there's you know we've seen people mount thermal cameras under there you know the, with zoom not just a basic thermal but you know some of the zoom thermal cameras and stuff like that i mean it this really does start to feel you can make it more like a traditional like actual drone <laughs> i think i think it's it's also pretty perfect to uh mount stuff like this one yep. uh, under it uh, I'm still trying to get this working with INAV with Espos for uh, right now, and uh, hopefully we get it uh, implemented through UART control from from Pavel after I am finished with it. <laughs> what is that? What what was that? Yeah, that's that's uh, the uh, CE8A8 mini gimbal. It's uh, 4K recording. It's basically like oh. the size of a GoPro, the fr front uh, size of a GoPro. And complete 4K recording, uh, a lot of features, different follow modes like FPV mode, locked mode. You can remote control it uh, with set angles or with speed. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff that th this thing can do. But first, I have to get it running. <laughs> yep. We you actually, uh, back, back in the early days, we, we were messing around with uh, gimbal mounts on the nose. And um I got a, I got a bit of a reputation for destroying them um, because uh, the original landing gear, uh, the shape of it allowed it to kind of compress a lot more uh, when it when you landed, especially if you uh, maybe didn't have a perfect landing, uh, bounced a bit, um, which I may or may not have done a few times. And um, so that would the landing gear would compress and it would just shove the, the gimbal straight into the ground. Um, we we revised the nose gear uh, to not it, it, it gives forward to backward but doesn't really give vertically as much so it doesn't drop um so that actually that was one of the reasons we specifically put a mounting actual mounting structure on the front um for things like gimbals like that um kind of just notches right in but that 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 looks pretty nice i would you know if you get that working i'd really like to know more about that gimbal you got 
Is it, you yeah. say you're getting that to work with FBUS? SBUS. Oh, SBUS. Okay. It's working on SBUS, yeah. So this is this is the A8 uh, from mm -hmm. C. Uh, it's it was just released now in December. Wow. Uh, with 4K Look at that recording. Price. <laughs> the the price is actually pretty pretty good in my opinion. Uh, if yeah. you consider uh, what it records and the video quality, I just used it in uh, inside right now. Uh, looks pretty decent. Um, I mean, it's it's comparable with the with the mid range, higher mid range uh, action camera. But I you get it was a full dollars, so two hundred eighty seven dollars. That's a really good price for that. What you get? Yeah, two eighty seven is not bad. And I think for planes where you don't. Uh, oh, by the way, it also has an option uh, to be used basically uh, up upright, so you can even put it on top of a airframe if you want. And uh, there's also another one, uh, that's the uh, A2 Mini, that's not released yet. Um, yeah. It has only 1080p uh, recording, and it's only one axis stabilized, but that's basically made for uh, fixed string craft. Because it's also airflow protected, uh, landing protected with these covers. And yeah, you can use it for that. And the, I think the, the, the good thing on this uh, on these gimbals is, and especially on this one, I'm not sure about the A2 right now, it has an analog video output with a pretty low latency. It's visible. They're, it's not, it's not digital, made for... Their digital system is pretty impressive, actually. We've been talking to them uh, recently. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this so. this one this one basically can 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 do everything. Uh, it has an H, uh, mini HDMI out, so it could be used, for example, with uh, with Open HD uh, with a capture card or with a capture dongle for HDMI. It can be used with their uh, HD digital system over uh, network output, and it can also be used with analog uh, systems. Wow, that's, that's pretty pretty, pretty nice. Bucks. I'm going to be looking even closer into them now. So that's a, <laughs> so it stabilizes the pitch axis. Then looks like this one, the A2 only stabilizes pitch exactly, uh, and the A8 has three axis stabilization. Okay, yeah, wow, that's that's insane. That's beautiful. They also that's, they they also just released a brand new one. Wait a second, but uh, you don't want to put that on a DIY uh, self-made craft wait a second this is the old set yeah this is a new one the Z zr30 um but uh, wait a second it's not on the english uh speaking website yet um so 4k recording i think it has a 30 times optical zoom included and uh, i think the price is around one thousand dollar that's <laughs> Mark Hoffman kind of money right there. Nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this one. He says that, but let's see when he gets it one, right? <laughs> nah. <laughs> I, I definitely won't buy, buy one. one. That's, that's out of my budget. Expense, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta do testing. Yeah. That's God, my God, that's that's insane. I mean, we look at it. Some of these just. I looked at the uh, optical quality of just a simple lens, uh, one of those M M12 lenses that come on like some of the run cams. And the resolution that these things have and the optical quality and everything else, pretty insane for what you get. I mean, with these little simple analog FPV cameras we're doing. So something like this with 
it looks like they have custom lenses. You know, for a hundred dollars, that's insane. That is a really good price for that. That's the price of a um, Runcam Four, right? If you think about it. Yeah, yeah let's it's it's more the price of a, a Cadex Walnut, but uh, yeah, 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 you get a full gimbal in in uh, reverse. And when you talk about 1080p, if we're talking about quality 1080p versus, I mean, the the thing now is it we're pushing the 4K, but if you have low resolution uh, optics, even though you're getting 4K, you're not going to get really good quality. If you get a really good quality 1080p you'll see a difference in your video. So I'm really interested to see what this comes out looking like. You have the, yours is, the one you're playing with is a 4K one? Uh, the A8 uh, is 4K capable, but only at 25 uh, frames per second and 2.7K and 1080p at uh, 30 frames per second. So yeah, this will be interesting to see uh, the, the actual difference. Oh, cool. I'll tell you what, I think we're coming up to the break time right now. Let's hit three minutes and let's um, come back and regroup and let's get on for the rest of all the interesting things that Tim has in his product offering. So we'll catch you on the other side here, guys. Hey, everybody, we're back. Oh, my gosh. That was, uh, I, I see Tim just dropping into, he was went to these, the restroom, came right back. Yeah. Such a professional. I love it. Um, so we're we've actually... During break, we bought up like five topics we should talk about. Uh, so we'll get to that. I want to just briefly go over the rest of your lines just so people know what you've got. So, Mark, we drop right back in and see what else they have. We'll make this somewhat brief. Um, but the one thing that we should talk about is at one point you had what was called the Renegade RC Recruit, which was essentially the AR wing Um from Sonic Models, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that one was, you were kind of, at, when we talked about the first time, you were like, I want to sell it all as one kit and something that's put together so people can buy it and fly it type of thing. Yeah, it's uh, the problem that we ran into, the the Recruit, um, it, it basically is, yeah, it was an air wing um, with a custom little mini flight controller. The, the, the problem is the people that were making that flight controller do not do not allow us to touch any of the settings. They gave us no way to actually. I don't even know what they were basing their controller off of, and they kind of continually became more and more difficult to work with, to the point that we couldn't even get the controllers anymore. Um, they were nice, super inexpensive controllers that helped us, you know, to make it. So we do carry the AR wing. Um, what we what we really need to do is come up with just a, a you know an inexpensive. Uh, INAV setup essentially that the, even if they're not even using OSD or any of the other flight control aspects, just have basic like stabilization launch mode type thing. Uh, we actually would love to do that again because that was really the, what people loved about the recruit was it just you could just toss it and it just you know you launch it without even thinking about it. Since you brought that up, I mean, there's uh, essentially Adam RC came out with something called the Swordfish, and mm -hmm. that was came out like a couple months ago, maybe a month or two ago. And that one had a Atom RC flight controller in there, uh, which was, and it, you could put autopilot or INAV on there. And with that, it was kind of, I don't know, it, you know, when you do that, sometimes it's hit or miss. They had horrible settings. It was somewhat set up and not right. exactly yeah. set up. Right. But it became the darling of, 
you know, right around Christmas time, everyone was getting them and like, oh my gosh, these are great. So, um, I mean, we do have on our iNav Fixman group, we do have probably four different builds of the Sonic model AR 900 millimeter, you know, the standard one. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we even have the, we have the AR Pro on there as well. Some, some, some basic setups. So, I mean, this is something that you can take, put a variety of flight controllers. And once you start putting flight controllers into the plane itself and is starting to uh, solder them and do things like that, it gets pretty expensive and very time consuming. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was one of the things we, we liked about the recruit before is that, you know, it wasn't the problem. The problem was you couldn't do anything with the flight controller, you know, other than use it as it is, you know, it wasn't, wasn't designed to be uh you know like inav or any of these others where you could uh you go in and uh, plug it into other components or even gps or anything else it just it was just there as a basic flight stabilizer um so yeah now we kind of are kind of leaning in towards you know pushing people again to do kind of the diy setup um you know with with guides that you guys have and or or similar things where they can build it up themselves and they learn a little bit more about it as well while they're doing it so uh yeah yeah, and that's it. Because I always notice that if you start putting quality merchandise in there, the price goes up and people get scared about that first and foremost. So what you end up getting a lot of the time is just kind of, you know, the cheapest of everything, but it's an INAP plane. And this isn't usually, well, I mean, if it's going to be destined to be crashed anyways, then it's not such a bad deal. But if it's something you're going to keep for a while, that's not a good route to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want quality stuff in it. I, I do. I don't. I've gone through the, the my own builds in the past of going the cheapest route possible, and I get kind of tired of uh, dealing with, you know, sketchy components and, and everything else like that. So, you know, I would just want to fly and know my stuff's going to work. Yeah. I used to be all about the sketchy components until I met Mark Hoffman. And then he told me, he was like, what are you doing with that? <laughs> you will not use that. Those are the racer star motors are the worst motors in the world. So I had like sell them all off and get better stuff. Sunny Sky, okay, Derek, say something. That's just for Mark. It's it's a nice racer star motor for him. <laughs> yeah, racer racer star BR series like burn right now. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It's fine if a magnet or two falls out. You don't need all of them. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so aside from the um, recruit now a. Um, just AR wing. What else do we have in your collection? Do we miss any of the Strix planes? Uh, I think we covered all the Strix. Um, yeah, we. Uh, so yeah, lots of the typical. The you know the the Talon two hundred and fifty. I'm just literally just going to look down the list now. Skyhunter AR wing classic uh, kit and PMP, which their PMP is actually what I would call an ARF. It comes with all the stuff, but it's not installed. Um, the Dart. XL Extreme. How long are they going to make these names? Dart XL Extreme Enhanced. Um, Talon <laughs> GT. Yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, the Air Wing Pro kit. I don't think we did plug and plays because I don't think people like their plug and plays quite as much. So uh, uh, we didn't do plug and plays this time around. Like we mentioned, Skywalker, um, the Drift. Uh, we have plug and play, the Zod Drift. God, it, the Dart. We have a ton of their binaries, which is, uh, you know, a, a decent it's a kit uh, but it's the it's a good flying uh, twin um with landing gear you can mm. belly land that one as well um they sent us they, a bunch of extras of that 
So they really seem to have stopped production of the uh, AR Pro plug and play version. Uh, I mean, I see them listed in many stores, but uh, they are always uh, out of stock. Uh, so you can barely buy them anywhere. Uh, only the kits, and the kits are yeah, available. They're in stock on Banggood at the moment. Yeah. Really, the plug and play version. Yeah. Oh, that's, we, uh, that's uh, impressive. Based on uh, some feedback from users, which one of the reasons we didn't get the plug and play is that it seemed that uh, people weren't as impressed with the plug and play on that one. So that probably has an effect on some of the other people stocking them as well. Hmm. I mean, the, the only the only thing I can complain about the plug and play version is actually the uh, the 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 motor that could be a little bit more powerful for fun flying. Uh, but beside that, I mean, the servos are great. The ESC is reliable. I, I still use the stock uh, or the stock PNP setup from my first one. Now on my third airframe. <laughs> there you go. Wait, there's there were a couple different ones. There was the black one, which is the original one you're talking about, Mark. And it's then there no, was it's, it's the same. Ishin white one. Okay, that's oh, that's the yeah. different story. Yeah, there was the there was the Ishin AR uh, the Ishin AR Wing Pro in white, and they really had the last piece of crap servos in there the crappiest motor you can i think it was even a quad motor also a smaller one than the stock one and uh, some no-name brand esc i think only rated to uh 30 amps or 25 amps or so it was really a nightmare so uh you, you really shouldn't get the Ishin plug and play version. If you get the uh, kit version from Ishin, totally fine the uh, foam is not as durable i think uh, as the black one but uh, besides it's that, it's not as durable, but it is a bit lighter. So yeah, it's less, it's... less dense. Yeah, yeah, it's so less it, dense. So it could fly with those race the quad motors. Yeah, in the maybe what? with yeah, the twenty-two fives. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's a that's a tactic we've used on some some things to keep them light because quad motors, you know, you get the good quality ones and they you know they perform really well and they're usually very lightweight. But yeah, it's, they 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 tend to go. They're they're all about budget, right? Um, uh, so and uh, yeah, no, normally not my thing most of the time with theirs. I've I've not had great results. So um, the, the the Papa Noob in the chat is uh, given the sample the binary <laughs> the binary binary yeah yeah <laughs> binary yeah. There are a lot of people out there uh, hating on the binary that it's unflyable yeah. and tip stalling it's, like it's, crazy it's and a, stuff. It, they, we actually got sent a bunch of extra of those other than what we ordered. Um, so we've got a ton of them. Um, but yeah, we, we've, so we've run into that too. You got to fly that plane fast or you're going to stall it and uh, you know, have a bad day. So I, I th uh, Yeah, I, th I think the, the main problem still is with that plane. Uh, I, I wouldn't say pilot error, maybe a documentation failure. Uh, you just, as soon as you put a little bit too much elevator in it, it will tip store, no matter the yeah. speed. And uh, that's the mistake most people do. They just put too much elevator throw in, in that. And as soon as the plane maybe stalls or so and tips over, they go full stick back. And of course, you cannot pull it out it's of done. the stall. You yep. just stall again. So uh, you have to be careful with that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it it got a bit of a bad reputation here. And in my opinion, it's still a nice plane. I don't have it myself, but uh, if you know how to fly it and how to set it up, I bet it's a really nice flyer. It is. It is interesting that we do that. We run into that sometimes, where a plane flown within its uh, capabilities can be a really great plane. But um, you know, we always tend to like. I think a lot of us like to push limits of of aircraft, and some of them do not like 
those limits being pushed and you will will yeah the stall characteristics of some of these it will be you know it's a catastrophic stall if and and, and and if our reaction is to keep, like you said, pulling back on the stick to try to pull its nose back up, it's done. You know, you're never going to regain control of it. Um, we've been spoiled by a lot of designs that really that stall well now. Um, you know, there's some planes that you, you can hold full back stick and it'll just, you know, they'll gentle stall on you and uh, still stay controllable. But yeah, planes like that, yeah, once it's in a stall, you got to... You got to speed back up and stop pulling back on the stick and limit your elevator travel in the first place, I think, too. Yeah. Uh, I also had a, I also had bad stall experience with the AR900, for example, in the past, mm -hmm. uh, with the CJE right on spot, just too much elevator, and the same happened. I did an auto-tune, first it was everything was fine, but then the feed forward ramped up uh, using the full elevator uh, travel, and suddenly when I pulled up, the plane just flipped over uh, overhead and dove to the ground, so it can happen with most planes. Yep, yep. If you if you, have, if, if, if you want to have, uh, I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, if you want to have a plane that doesn't stall, get a swept forward wing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a couple years ago, we had a, a meeting with uh, someone at Sodic Models who's no longer there, and he um, was like, it was late night for me, and these guys woke up early in the UK and Germany, and the guy, we started having a conversation with them, and he talked for about an hour straight. And so we couldn't get awarded edgewise. But one of the things he said was, my claim to fame is I invented the binary. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. well, okay. So you'll have a blowout sale on the binary, sounds like at some point in the future. We, we might, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they literally shipped us those and basically said, we're going to give these to you when you sell them, then you can pay for them. So uh, I, I think that, yeah. <laughs> kind of 50 kind cents of on the dollar is probably what you can sell it, you know for a yeah. 50 dollars 75 dollar plane it's probably not a bad little yeah. airframe or something like that um you also so you've started to take in i thought i saw you were starting to take omp of some of the regular uh, yeah yeah you know, they didn't make it into this section because we've been carrying them for a little while and had since uh omp ohio model products is you know right here in ohio at least the distributor buddy rc that we work with um yeah we've had those in stock pretty regularly um so yeah uh we've got uh quite a few planes from them um we've got they've got the the nice uh their vtol um the uh, the zmo uh which is quite a plane there is a new version one of the things i haven't liked about that is the flight controller that's included with the full plug and play is proprietary you can't get in there and change anything that is going to change with a future version. Um, they're working on it right now. Just saw it the other day. Um, but uh, that that's pretty impressive plane just in how it's built, packaged, the whole deal comes with its own case. Um, so, um, yeah, we've got that. We've got some planes from um, uh, He-Wing um, that we carry as well that, didn't, that aren't on that specific page because of how we're buying them. Um, you know, they didn't come in on the containers with these other things. Um, so, you know, definitely go to our airplane section and, uh, you'll, you'll see some more planes. We got right wing, uh, we're out of stock of a few things, but I, uh, just talked to Chris this, uh, a couple days ago and they should have something on the way to us here pretty soon. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I will say this, that you are not my account for FR Sky, so, but you will be getting FR Sky products back in stock yep. because, yeah. I mean, you talked to Dustin, uh, we were just talking about that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, putting in order for that. 
Um, so radios, Maytech, uh, you know, we have tried to do our best to keep all the Maytech stuff in stock. I don't know if that was a segue to what we were talking about. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about FEV also, so we'll probably we'll come back to this topic later. As far as I wanted to ask you what you think about FEV versus traditional flying, where FEV flying has gone. But let's get into the Maytech topic first of all, because you put that up during break, and I thought that was kind of really important to bring up. Um, <laughs> we have forty minutes left. Yeah, well, yeah. Mark's like talking. Yeah, Mark How much is can talking. We talk about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, so you mentioned that uh, Maytag is having issues getting the H743 microphone? Yeah, uh, when we were placing our last order, uh, kind of came back that uh, the 743 wings, which we had ordered, um, they are not producing right now. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a temporary pause, and it's because the uh, the cost of the uh, CPU, the chips, have uh, increased drastically right now. The MCU, um, so. Uh, the uh, the price of the actual chip is almost it's actually not over but it's almost the price of the full uh, uh, flight controller right now um, so um, and I kind of asked you are you going to raise the price what's the plan and it sounds like they're hoping to just wait it out until the chip price drops back down again so what that may do is cause a bit of a shortage for the, the uh, 743 wing and the 743 mini uh, for a little while. Um, so just, I guess, keep that in mind. Um, I'm yeah, a little bit worried about that one because the H743, now if you remember our history, might not go back this far, but when they first came out, the first version of the H743 wing, um, it was sold on Banggood. They were selling for like $40 for that. Right. And then people were buying them and they were... They wouldn't work with iNav. I think they worked autopilot first of all, but it wouldn't work with iNav. It took a while because the code base is different on that. Now, what I'm worried about is right now, all of a sudden, there's more and more applications where they're starting to write code for this. So I'm not talking about flight controllers. I'm talking about medical and automotive. And if they're starting to write for that, that means like the demand for this must be going up. Because you can hook up to up to 32 different devices to that microcontroller. It is a really impressive microcontroller. So. Yeah, and I, you know, we've been seeing this with uh, with various uh, the the CPUs, uh, MPUs for these. Um, uh, that yeah, the supply has been kind of touch and go uh, with pandemic related stuff. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if this is not only demand overall, but also because of uh, you know the pandemic related stuff going on over in Asia right now and China. Um, you know, where they're just now dealing with the massive waves. Uh, it's, it's slowed down production. You know, we talked a little bit about this in the break. Uh, you know, our, our manufacturers have been, you know, before, before, you know, whenever they had stronger lockdowns, they would get shut down because somebody in the area, the general area tested positive and they would just shut the whole region down. And then once they lifted the, uh, um, their lockdowns now, just huge percentages of, of the employees at these places are, are getting sick, um, you know, and it's taken them. And it's just it is dis disrupting the entire supply chain again. Right. Uh, China is so, a huge uh, country. I mean, and so the continent just the, the landmass of China is immense. But so regionally, it's hard. But we just got the statistic the other day that about 60,000 people died in China in the last month for COVID which is insane, a huge number of people. I mean, though, uh, more than a billion people live there. Um, 
what Especially happened given was, a less less dangerous variant of the of covid and it still killed that many people so yeah yeah i know it's mind-boggling and but what did happen was around christmas time uh we had just our corporate headquarters of fr sky is located near shanghai and they had about 80 percent of the workforce out with covid uh right around like a week or two before christmas so the workforce was out and then they started to come back and then we're going into Chinese New Year's right now. So, you know, you essentially have lost a month out of the year. And, you know, I saw this and I saw like Radio Master came out with that Ranger uh, module for ELRS and like people were writing like, I'm not getting my Ranger module. I ordered it and I'm not getting it. I'm like, oh, I know what's going on. It's the same problem everywhere. Um, but what happens is the one thing that's really impressive about China, I didn't really re realize this, when they go away for something like um, a holiday or they go away for the Chinese New Year's, if they come back and the first day back when it's over is Saturday, you go back to work. Not only do you go back to work, but it's game on. Like they turn up the factory and everything comes out as quickly as possible. So you know, production-wise, they can do stuff, but if we're having problems getting chips, that's another story altogether. Is there anything else that we're running out of as far as, you know, vendors, you dealing with your vendors? Are you having issues, supply chain issues with anything else? For us directly, um, our main manufacturer that makes a lot of our custom electronics, you know, just smaller items, you know, voltage regulators, uh, various, uh, you know, even like small, like the 1S chargers, just random, lots of our random things, cables and things like that. They've They've been the ones that have really been struggling uh, both with lockdowns and then now with uh, COVID. So it's kind of put a put a damper on things. They shipped, were able to ship or have will have been able to ship the majority of things we've been waiting for now uh, before the start of the Chinese New Year, which is coming up this week, this coming week, um, the start of it. Um, you know, and but that does cause, you know, that we've noticed Chinese New Year uh, seems to really cause a longer disruption than the holiday itself, too. Because uh, one, you have some companies that stagger the dates that they actually uh, use for the holiday. Um, so you generally, it can cause you know two to three or four weeks of, of odd disruptions just from various companies trying to observe it slightly differently. Um, but definitely the biggest, most of them are basically this week starting through the end of the month are gonna be off. Um, and really it, things just shut down. Um, <laughs> Yeah. The other thing I'm noticing, too, is that I've dealt with a number of buyers from different companies, and they're all saying pretty much the same thing. Right after Christmas, they say Chinese New Year's is coming up, and we have to get inventory orders placed right now before Chinese New Year's. So they'll put orders in for these either things to get made, and then when they come back, then they, they have orders ready to go and things get produced. But if you happen to be you know, waiting to place an order after Chinese New Year's, then yeah, you might be out a month or so. Yeah, so it lengthens that queue uh, that you're that you wind up in. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, we try to as, as we can uh, for, for ourselves stock up, but uh, you know, the disruptions from uh, COVID have caused other issues with that too. So you know, we'll see. You know, it, it's better than it was. Uh, you know, late 2020. Um, you know, where it just seemed like everything was just just disappearing um but uh yeah i think i think this is a temporary one yeah i think what you're gonna see is that 
you know, if you were to place your order today, for, you've got inventory in stock, obviously. Yeah, a lot, yeah. And then you would get your orders to get shipped. But what you might find is that you would, if there's something, something odd or um, if people wait until, let's say, April before they start building their planes, they might find that things are out of stock in some places because of Chinese New Year's. It takes about a month to recycle. Mm-hmm. Get yeah, that seems out. about right. Yeah, definitely and, with the, with the market now. You know, if you, if you if you're going to be buying something, get it get it now to make sure you're going to have it because you know it's some of that's just hard to predict. What you know, we were we were surprised about the the 743. You know, because those have been selling pretty well. And uh, yeah, just uh, you know, we tried to get in our order that would be shipped right before the Chinese New Year, and yeah, surprise, we can't get any more of them for now. So um, yeah, when we when you're on the first time, we were talking about lead times. I I recall like you order stuff, and then it would take you. Not only was it ungodly expensive, it would take six months to get off the boat. Well, yeah, ocean shipments. Um, yeah, uh, I mean you have long for the planes. I mean. We ordered the planes that we got in stock in the fall. We ordered those actually had the orders moving in the spring or actually late winter of the the year, and it took you know until fall to get the items. Um, on a positive note, ocean shipment prices have dropped drastically over the past couple months. Even the three separate containers that we got recently, uh, the price dropped significantly from each one because. Uh, every all the bigger companies were rushing early in the year to try to beat the normal later rush that you used to see getting you know leading up to Christmas, um, because everyone pushed so hard to get their stuff for Christmas early. Things just uh, the the freight I guess the the number of shipments coming from China just dropped drastically by you know huge amounts as we went through um, you know like uh, August September October time frame. So that's going to be good. But yeah, any any. So, you, know, you have uh, obviously there's different electronics generally can go can be manufactured more quickly and then those are you know can more economically be shipped by air which avoids some of that issue with the long small, shipping times of ocean smaller electronics yeah. things yeah like small electronics yeah. exactly but but things like planes have to go ocean because of the size just going to cost way too much ship air and those you have yes four to six weeks of transit time and yeah, to, uh, so California, it's three and a half weeks from China, and uh, we get this all the time. Sometimes in the three week, which is pretty good now, it, probably as good as it's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's looking a lot better, but still, you know, uh, you know, there might be still some supply chain issues here and there, and so I would start stocking up. Harvest your winter nuts now because. Yeah. We we yeah. tend to see a lot of people start in the northern hemisphere start to do their builds anyway this time of year. Um, you know, for those that don't want to go outside in the weather, they're going to spend a little bit more time inside building. I think um, so. You see some demand for uh, you know building components uh, around this time of year. So with the demand starting to increase and potentially some supply issues temporarily, yeah, it's it's time to get get your stuff. Yeah, get it in order now. The other thing that is going to be of interest is that. Coming up here in the next month, uh, like Darren was talking about earlier, and then a couple of weeks, we're going to have a cutoff point, and then iNav 6.0 is going to come out. And I have a feeling that this iNav 6.0, I think this is the iNav people have been waiting for. This is going to be something that is going to be uh, where people can get their hands on iNav and get it to work. What do you think about that, Darren? Yeah, I mean, 
my personal point of view is it's almost like an INAV reboot if you like to look <laughs> at uh, movie terms. Um, it's, yeah, such a big game changer that I can't see any reason why anyone wouldn't update unless they're using like an F3 or some, you know, ancient flight controller when they, you know, can't update to it. Because like me, they're really, really lazy. <laughs> that That's true. I still have multiple <laughs> planes on 2.1. But you've got an excuse now to update more than six. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I genuinely think I mean, I've actually pushed forward a few um, sort of fairly big font. Well, not not big font changes, but font changes that will be significant on things like HD systems. Just because I, the way I see it is, six point six is so definitive that it will be you know, the version that everyone sort of flies. So, um, so I've tried to push those. It looks like the version is going to bring people into iNav, don't you think? That people who are on the fence or people who quad pilots who always want to get a plane or people who are traditional plane pilots who always want to get into iNav? I don't know if it would make any difference that way. I mean, I, I can see maybe if people are trying to get into it and are trying to argue pilot and find it too difficult, that now there's no real excuse not to try iNav because the whole oh, horizon drift is going to crash your plane is bullshit now. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's the only. I, I can't see any real difference how it will pull new people in just for the sake of it being INF six. There's not really any any real difference there. But um, it's even it, easier now. My point is, every time you have a major something like this, people start talking about it, how great it is, and then their friends get pulled into it as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the word of mouth. I mean, it it is a very very good release there's no question about that um i mean there, there's also one thing uh many people won't even see i mean there are a, a few great new features there are navigation system updates uh for better return to home better waypoint missions there are uh there, there is no finally um um building up uh, a, a pattern how the hd systems for example work uh, they are properly supported now. Um, okay, let's keep aside DJI O3 for now. That's not proper HD <laughs> system. It's yeah, hack. okay. <laughs> uh, so we have we have Walksnay, we have uh, DJI with WTF OS, we have HD Zero. Uh, INAV really is focusing on getting every single of these systems uh, working as good as it can. So with the proper OSD restoring, uh, with the proper OSD elements, the INAV developers, especially Darren, uh, are working together with the manufacturers of the HD systems. Um, Darren has a close contact to the uh, Walksnay de developers. Uh, is working with them on bug fixes and optimizations. Not only the OSD, also controls. I think um, maybe in the f we will see. If uh more features here in the future um so there's a lot visible stuff going on with inav but also a lot of stuff under the hood the the normal user will never see uh or is not interested in uh for example just take this hardware in the loop simulation uh and this is even going a step further now with one developer working on a software in the loop so on a complete software-based flight, virtual flight controller running on your PC where you can test out uh, stuff for development. So 
INF6 is not only uh, bringing new features to the users, but also bringing new features and possibilities to future developers to even work further on it uh, on future versions like 7.0, 8.0, and so on. So, uh, yeah, this update is even bigger as it seems from the outside. So, Tim, I have a question for you about FPV as far as what... Um... You originally started off, you were on the forefront of FPV back in 2009, right? And when it was pretty much taking the dumb chucks from the Wii's apart so you can get the, the, the gyros out of them and put them oh, in the yeah. planes. Yeah. And so what have you seen as far as FPV for fixed wing? I mean, you feel like it's growing or you get stagnant or what's happening? I'd say the the... the one thing I've seen is the fragmentation because of these competing um, HD protocols and, uh, you know, and then still people wanting to do analog as well. Um, makes it a little bit more difficult for us because, uh, um, you know, we want to carry what people want, but we also don't want to get stuck with the product that people uh, decided they don't want for various reasons. And there are, as we've talked about before, and you all know, there are very strong opinions in this hobby about what is and isn't the best thing um, and why. And, um, you know, so we have seen a lot of fragmentation. We've seen definitely a move more towards uh, HD across the board, um, you know, and, and, and we see a variety from our standpoint, we see a variety of uses as well. We have the hobbyists that are that are bouncing back and forth between, you know, HD zero and walk snail and, and DJI. Um, you know, and then we have some of the educational stuff that maybe wants, uh, some of the more, more advanced stuff, you know, even the, um, uh, the, the CE, whatever, the things like that, that, um, that, uh, that we're looking into that have, they're not really, you know, those are really long range, uh, but you know, you're not going to get people that are, that need high speed connections, uh, using them. The latency is pretty good, but it's just not quite the same as, you know, these other systems, um, so it's it's definitely all over the place right now, and I would say uh, the plane market is kind of making a bit of a comeback to some extent. Um, you know, we saw a huge shift into quads, especially you know you go back five, six years or so, seven years. Um, quads just became the dominant uh, force in in anything involving FPV, but now we're seeing that kind of shift. I think slowly back to to a mixture, um, you're always going to have the quad folks, and you're always going to have plane folks. But I'm, we're seeing planes kind of come back a little bit more. Um, but definitely HD uh, has. We've seen a lot of people shifting to HD. Um, but from from our from our viewpoint, the frustration is, you know, these manufacturers not including some some level of backwards compatibility whenever they release goggles or other things. Um, you know, to the point that you know. Well, okay. Now, if you want to get the this specific system, now you're you're all in with that system, or now you have to care. You know, you have to keep multiple things. You know, multiple goggles, multiple. You know, across the board. So, um, it'd be interesting to see how this all settles out over the next year or two. Um, you know, um, and uh, I don't know what what are your guys' opinion about like who's winning that from your viewpoint, from the HD standpoint. I know that's a pretty every uh, week question. is a different story. It's a loaded you know. question. It was like two months ago we pronounced HD zero dead, and now they're back and stronger than ever. I thought and the same thing. I, yeah. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty, then pretty. Uh, right. go ahead, Mark. 
I mean, uh, when when we when we look how Roxnay started, uh, I guess no one had thought that Roxnay would ever get a foot into the into the hobby or into the market at all. I mean, the the launch program they had was an absolute disaster. <laughs> I mean. Roto Riot completely messed it up. They had no information. There was this shady and partially false information going out. So uh, they even faked the chip writing on the goggles so no one knows what actual chip is used and all that shady stuff. And yes, I was one of these people uh, bashing on them about that uh, because I thought it's a joke and if they don't go completely open to the community and community uh, communicate what they uh, really do and what they want to do, uh, they will fail on the market. But I'm really happy to say today uh, that they uh, got the corner. Uh, they changed a lot. They communicate now. They bring updates. They listen to the users. Uh, and in my opinion right now, Cadix and Wox or Woxnay, they have the best chance to win the race. I mean, there won't, there will never be a winner, I guess. Uh, I don't think that DJI will ever completely vanish from the market, uh, or any of them will vanish for the market. Um, HD Zero has way too much attention, especially in the uh, in the racing area, because of the latency. Every racer. Uh, only flies basically analog or HD0 now, and HD0 has an even lower glass-to-glass -glass latency than analog has, and that's pretty impressive. I, or, no, not glass-to-glass, -glass, but uh, full-frame latency. Glass-to-glass -glass is still, uh, so for the first line, is still faster on analog, of course. Uh, but yeah, I think in the long term, I would put my bets uh, on Walksnade to become at least the uh, biggest HD system. On the market, mm -hmm. uh, they made a very aggressive move with their with their uh, VRX release uh, last uh, in in back in November, and uh, that's also where I got mine from. So I ordered it right the first day when I saw that, uh, because it was just a steal to get it for 200, 200 bucks uh, a VTX with the goggle module, and uh, I can use it with my Sky Zones. I already used uh, HD Zero on my Sky Zones, so that was a pretty easy transfer. And uh, yeah, so Woxnay for me is on place one. DJI will stay on the market on place two. HD Zero will stay on the market for uh, racers and all the hardcore freestylers that need pinpoint precision and lowest latency. And uh, I think analog will still stay around for a long time. Uh, yes. They. Analog won't vanish. I mean, even after how long is DJI on the market now? Three years, roughly yes, a little bit more over three years. Uh, yeah. Uh, when they started, um, we still have. Uh, if, if you see any any poll in Facebook groups or somewhere, we still have fifty or sixty percent of users who still use analog, either exclusively or at least partially. Um, and especially for long-range stuff, we don't have limitations like uh, DJI and Woxnay. Our goggles can only transmit 1.2 watt maximum, uh, so we cannot have stronger VTX. Of course, HD Zero could have a stronger VTX, but they are uh, limited by their uh, error correction, so they also have less range than a comparable 
analog system uh, in open air. So I think for long range, analog will stay around for a lot more time. And I'm also pretty happy to see that there is still development going on for uh, analog. The manufacturers uh, condensed down to like three or four right now that are still producing analog stuff. But for example, Skyzone is now putting out their new SteadyView X module after more than a year of delay. Uh, I have one on the way to me uh, with very nice imp uh, new features. Uh, <laughs> funnily, one of these new features is a narrowband filter they implemented into their module that is filtering out uh, RF interference from uh, close by channels. So basically it's optimized to fly together with digital pilots where the goggles send out signals. So yeah, uh, I'm happy to see there's still development going on and uh, Analog will stay with us and with me for a very long time in the future as well. So if you've made it this far in the video watching us, the things you learned today are that analog is still around and hold on to your, your F405 uh, microcontroller uh, flight controllers because that's what you're going to have. We're gonna, this year is going to be F405 uh, micro, uh, flight controllers and analog, um, but uh, <laughs> things are going to get better. I, but Darren has an opinion. Uh, I think uh, he has something to say about this subject, Darren. He's uh, no, he's you're muted, Darren. Okay. Yeah, use analog. That's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean I, I I agree with Mark. It's like if every system has their own advantages and disadvantages. Um, HD zero is low latency for racing. Um, DJI is for people. I don't know. I, I think these guys have caught up with DJI, certainly the original system and surpassed it. Possibly there's a, there's a few things that the O3 is doing a bit better if you want an action cam built in, for example. But I've seen videos where this has got better penetration, better video than DJI. Um, That's why still analog still has its place. Yeah. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing that uh, Skyzone module, actually, mm. that Mark was just talking about. Uh, one addition, because I just saw that message from uh, Caroline Tyler RC. Uh, Woxney is playing catch up with DJI's first hardware. O3 blows out, uh, blows it out of the water. Picture wise, actually no. Even from an from a completely objective standpoint, uh, the O3 FPV feed is absolute garbage. It's absolute crap to fly. I really no, wish I, you I, had an opinion I, on this. I mean, <laughs> Mark is the unopinionated is, king. He, he just learns facts, no, nothing else. I, this is rare <laughs> to have Mark take an opinion on something. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, j j just, uh, just let's be realistic. Uh, what do you, what do we need when we fly? We need to see everything. We need to see in the dark, and we see need to see in the brightness. The O3 image, it looks great in the goggles, of course. It's a really fantastic picture. Uh, but it's not a picture uh, you can really fly with. If you fly uh, into a tunnel, for example, and the tunnel is completely black until you are inside, you don't know what's coming inside. And that's not what you need or what you what we want for uh, FPV flying. If you have uh, an analog camera, you always have turned on the HDR feature or the uh, the um, 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 range compression. 
uh, wide dynamic range. Uh, the Voxnay just updated their firmware in the latest beta to ma massively boost the dynamic range and make shadows brighter and bright. The sky is a little bit overblowing now, but that doesn't matter uh, as soon as we can see what's happening on the ground. And I think that's a really important part. Uh, when you when you when you do a GoPro recording, sometimes you look a video on YouTube uh, where someone flies in a bando, fl flies from outside to inside, and then you wanna. How could he even see that bar uh, he just passed? He couldn't see that. Yeah, he could see that in the FPV feed, but you couldn't see that with an O3. So uh, that, that's something you always have to keep in mind. It, the FPV feed doesn't need to look good. It has to be flyable, and that's the important part. And that's uh, something where the O3 completely, completely uh, yeah, falls into the water. Yeah, you know, I go back to the, you talk about years ago with FPV, and, you know, we started, the cameras we were using did not have wide dynamic range initially. And uh, when they started to come out, you were like, oh, my God, I can actually see. Because, yeah, you'd, you know, with the old analog cameras, you'd look look at the sky and you couldn't, the ground was black. You know, yeah. you just couldn't see anything just to being out in the open. Or the ground was uh, invisible, the ground was visible, but the sky was just, just a bleached out white blob. And uh, yeah, it's interesting that they are we're kind of going through that again with this, uh, the evolution of these these type of systems. And you're right. Um, what people want to see for uh, actual recordings, you know, like if, if you're recording on a GoPro or something where you're going to just looking at it for YouTube use or something like that, the picture is going to look a bit different than what we need to see when we're flying. That's that's a good point. Yeah, that's also a, a point uh, where I think uh, this won't change because the O3 is uh, a split camera so it can only record one image the sensor has to be set to specific settings and uh, it, it doesn't matter then if it's for the recording or for the FPV feed the FPV feed will always look like the recording and that was all, uh, also an issue all the uh, HD camera or the HD split analog cameras had um, they always had two dark grounds two dark shadows uh, they looked pretty decent uh, afterwards like action cam footage like cheap action cam footage usually uh, but you barely can't fly with them i have uh, i have for example a run cam split 3 on my dart 250g and i see that every time i fly with that plane um so the hybrid cameras with actual two sensors and two lenses these were the options uh the, the better options for any kind of uh, onboard HD recording uh, cameras because then you have your FPV feed where you see everything and you have your HD feed that ju just looks nice. Fantastic. Yeah, there's... Um, what did... I was going to ask you, Tim. So you, you also are now starting to sell planes for the flying field people. So the OMP planes, for example um that was not was that part of the original vision or is that something that's changed over the last couple of years you know off on and off we've carried planes like that um you know we we still kind of look at a plane and say uh, a lot of it is going to be whether or not we would or could fpv it um but also sometimes it's just hey you know is, would i fly this plane would i want to get it so um in the case of the omp uh planes uh that we do carry um that are more traditional a lot of those are just you know like hey i kind of like this plane and you know we can get them since they're local we can we don't have to buy massive quantities which are a risk for us um so uh we'll bring those on 
you know, because again, we, we enjoy all types of flying. We don't just do FPV ourselves too. So um, we'll look at things sometimes and just decide, you know, would I want that or not? Um, or sometimes we'll look at things that would maybe sell if we're going to an event uh, because things that will sell at a fly-in are a little different than what will sell through the website sometimes too. Um, you know, so the OMP planes, even some of the Horizon Hobby planes, you know, don't sell well uh, or in much volume uh, through the website, but we take a couple to a show or event and they'll, they'll go pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing that I, I noticed was that on the cover of this, I just put it up right before the show, um, on the cover of the FX Wing Group, we have a photo I took of Black Star FPV. And these are a group of about four or five guys here in Southern California who go out to various flying shows. What they do is they fly these planes, um, EDS mainly, in formation, but they're FPV on them. So they're using um, DGI, and what they have is this little um, cockpit inside of there. It has LEDs so they can see all of their, you know, they can see their altitude, their airspeed, and things like that. And they communicate with each other. And so they're flying planes. <clears throat> they'll stop, get everyone down, and they'll, people will watch. And the people at the flying field, like the old timers, are like, wow, that is incredible. So the whole theory of that. You know, FPV is something that people are not interested in at the flying fields. That might have been true in the beginning, but not so much anymore. I think there's a lot of interest going on with it. Um, and that's kind of why I'm hoping that what we might be seeing here towards the future is more and more people. Um, unfortunately, I don't really see the drone market growing right now, the, the race quad market. It's kind of, as you were mentioning earlier, it's... It, it's gotten to a point, it grew, and then it's starting to contract right now and get smaller and smaller. And that was a fair bit of the people coming into the hobby from in the INAV fixed wing group. A lot of guys who started out with quads, um, you know, like, hey, my next quad should be a plane. And they get one, and the next thing you know, they're on to their fifth plane, and they're just loving it. Um, but what I'm seeing right now is that DJI, once again, um, they tend to have something that I think attracts people who might want to get a, a quad. They have more and more compelling things. DJI FPV, it's drawing people in, and it's taking people away from the race quad segment of the business, which affects us as well. So we need to find people. I mean, if you're going to watch our segment grow, it's going to be growing for people who have an interest and probably have not had the opportunity to put together a flight controller for the first time. So, um, you know, that's the way I came in. I came in from the fixed wing side and I didn't know how to solder to save my life. And so a bit of a learning curve. So I don't know if you're seeing that on your segment, who's coming into the hobby now as far as FPV? Yeah, I mean, so I think the big thing with quads is they, they have brought in a lot of people who maybe had no RC background or even technical background at all because they see they see the quads and like wow that's pretty awesome and they want to get into it um so they will be completely green uh from the electronics standpoint and obviously they need to learn a lot of these skills uh for quads um and then we start to see them shifting to planes kind of what you had mentioned you know maybe i'll try that out um after they kind of you know people there seems to be some limit as to you know 
sometimes you, know, you, you, you do something, even you're doing crazy stuff with the quad, but at some point you're still doing the same basic things and then they want to try something else. And then we see them move into planes. And uh, I would say actually more early in the, in this FPV arena, we had the, the folks like you, Steve, that came from, uh, came from just doing regular line of sight flying, traditional RC and moving into FPV. Those, the majority of the early FPV, FPV market was like that. Um, and we still see it and you're, you know, it's not that it's gone away, but you know, I would say it shifted a bit. We had that real heavy, you know, traditional RC folks going to FPV and then this wave of quad people coming in to do, uh, that knew nothing about any RC. And I think that may have been partially what turned off some of the traditional RC guys, to be honest with you, because these people came in so green, not knowing even the basics of RC related stuff. I think it just bothered some of the people that have been doing it traditionally. Um, but now, we're, again, we're getting that kind of steady state. Um, we still have the young people coming in. They, they still tend to go to quads first, most of the, mostly. Um, and then they're shifting over. And we're still seeing the stream of folks that, are, that did start with planes move into quads a little bit as well. Um, um, and, you know, and, and I've, I've moved back and forth. You know, I started with planes, went to quads a little bit, and I still really like planes far more. So have stayed with mostly FPV planes. Um, some of the folks here, kind of the same thing. You know, some started with planes and drifted to quads for a while, were really into it, did a lot of racing and stuff, and then have kind of settled back on planes again. I don't know, there's just differences in in uh, in what you're doing. And, uh, you know, some people, I just had a conversation with someone in here the other day, a customer that came in and talking about how they don't really enjoy, when it comes to quads, the... Uh, the extreme level of competition if you know a lot of these guys getting into racing and stuff like it it's just kind of to them they're never going to reach the level of some of these uh those guys that are just locked in with the racing and uh they, they it's you know so they, they're doing quads but they're starting to drift into planes because they don't it's just not the same you know plane guys are you know there are there's plane racing going on but it's not the same it's just a different feel to it and uh, uh more relaxing i guess and more you know the, the, the tech minded of us can settle in and just mess with that kind of stuff too. And, you know, not feel so much pressure to perform. I also kind of noticed that then the quad segment, there's more of a tendency to comply with the norms of the hobby. You know, people like you should be using this equipment and we're all going to this and that planes is pretty much bring what you got. Yeah. We love you to put it in the air. We'll have a good time together. Quads are very, uh, the market is very dependent on what various uh, social media folks are popular YouTubers or, or, uh, you know, or TikTokers or whoever, you know, they, yeah, they will follow trends very, very much. So um, uh, far more than the plane, it, it still happens with planes too, but you know, it's, it, it's, they're, and maybe it's because they're, I, I would say probably overall a younger crowd too, um, which maybe is some of that difference. Again, none of these are absolutes, but, you know, right. in general, yeah. It's, yeah, I've kind of noticed that Planes is starting to be a little bit more of a communal thing. When we first started the group, I mean, you're lucky to have three people on your continent who flew kind <laughs> of mm -hmm. uh, planes. But now it seems to be like you can find people in your area who are into FPV uh, fixed-wing planes. And so yeah. um, when you get together with these people, it's, let's go out and have fly. Let's have a good time. It's not about racing. and But the... People who do the racing, uh, I've been to a quad race before. They're, you know, it, it is pretty much game on. You put your game yeah. face on, let's go. Yeah. Want to be the best. 
I've seen a lot of like, it's crazy how serious some of these people, you know, when we had our own events in the past and little things that just should be, you know, well, you know, maybe it's some technical issue or something, how incredibly serious these people took it. I mean, you know, it's like they're, it's the, it, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's what it's about for them and that's fine. Um, you know, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a, if I'm going to an event or something, it's, I often will spend less time flying and more time just hanging out with people at an event. Um, you know, uh, you, you'll, you'll definitely do flying, but it's just, you know, it's, it's different. You know, I'm not there to compete. I'm there to just talk with other people that have the same interests we are, you know, I do. So, yeah, we tend to have uh, fun flies like uh, coming up here in uh, Mesa, Arizona, coming up the first weekend of next month. Um, I'll be there at their flying field. Chris Click will be there as well. Um, it's an electric fun fest. And so it's just people bringing their planes out in the field. If you're an AMA, it's an AMA field. So I think it's 25 bucks for the weekend. You get to fly the whole time. And it's just bring what you got. Let's fly and let's, and let's BS with each other about what you're flying. Whereas the quad races, when I've seen those guys, it's pretty, they don't talk to each other. They're like sitting there working on their quads and it's game face. And this is, it's a competitive event. Very structured. They have the, you know, all the, 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 the racing rounds that they've got to go through and everything. And yeah, it's definitely a huge, different, different feel completely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's cool. You want to be the best, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe Darren, you guys know, is there, was there anything like, um, have you seen any events where people just kind of go out and fly with the quads, get together and, and just tear up a bond, a bando? Um, not so much over here. I mean, I, I was not really in that scene, but, uh, a friend of mine, at, uh, the, uh, flying club I go to used to race quads. So they would, they would all meet up fairly locally and, um, yeah, have a sort of a race, race meet. And it, it's probably, I think it's a weekly thing. So they'd just turn up, set some gates up and have a fly. So there, there was a nice, um, social aspect with that. And you think about that, I mean, now we're getting into the, like these, the whoops, the tiny whoops, these things are incredibly small and you can set up uh, a, a quad race just about anywhere. Yeah. I mean, these, these were five inches. They weren't whoops. They were outdoors, yeah. uh, five inches, but yeah, I guess the whoops, you could stick them indoors. I can't fly indoors for toffee at the moment. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I won't. Um, but yeah, um, I've got a little one that I really should try and practice a bit more with, but yeah, I'm still just getting the hang of it outdoors. <laughs> try not to crash it, but yeah, I mean, I, I think over here that there is that sort of a bit more of a, a social aspect to it. Um, but I was not there, so I don't know if there's all, all the, um, the clickiness that you see online. Okay. So last topic before we call it a day, um, what are we looking forward to this year? Tim, well, um, Tim, we put you on the spot all the time. So I'll put uh, Darren on the line this time. What do you think of what are you looking forward to this year? Uh, other than INAV 6.0? Um, flying more, hopefully. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually just thinking what I need to get done. Uh, so yeah, I, I need to finish off my AR Pro so I can test out the, uh, some digital stuff i want to get my uh s800 um uh, i'm doing like a redneck race wing <laughs> until i can get a decent one um so yeah i need to get that finished and hopefully get to a couple of races this year um yeah i just want to get a, a lot more flying done luke has probably checked out a while back luke you hear us 
Yeah. I do hear you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, what are you uh, looking forward to yeah. this year? I don't have any particular goals at the moment. Uh, I really want to get a quad plane going, another one. Uh, I want to do my my AR Wing Pro, finally. That was last <laughs> year's goal, but it's going to be this year's goal as well. Uh, How many batteries? Uh, pardon? <laughs> How many batteries? Or I've worked out it was 24. <laughs> 24, 24 batteries. Oh, yeah, 24 18650s. That's uh, 1.2 kilos of 18650s. Yeah. <laughs> it's it going to have a huge motor on the back. Get that thing flying, right? No, it doesn't need a huge motor. It's, it's fine as is. Uh, I tested it recently. I flew an AR wing with a 4S5000 in, you know, as standard, and I put Jeez. a 6S5000 on top. So <laughs> that's the equivalent of 24 18650 cells in weight. And a lot less drag with, you know, without having the six S five thousand on top. You didn't see this, but Mark's eyes just exploded. I, I did see it. I did see it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, what else do I want to do? Not sure. I'll see how it goes, I guess. <laughs> Mark, how about yourself? What are you looking forward to this year in twenty twenty three? Yeah, for me the interesting part will be uh, my start with all my Full start with digital. Uh, I tried with HD0 before, but my system never worked that way I wanted to, so it was collecting dust. Um, I have around four, five or six planes uh, I might go uh, for digital on them. And uh, beside that, yeah, uh, finding the time and mood to finally build up a proper workshop corner in my <laughs> in my apartment. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, finding some uh, more flight time and good weather, hopefully. Okay. Tim, what about yourself? What are you looking forward to in 2023? So, of course, everything that I look forward to is things I'm thinking about around, around the business here. But uh, so we have... We have a night wing that we had been working on a while back that we're, we're kind of revising that I'd like to get, see out here by summertime. Um, we'll be able, we'll definitely work with FPV, but um, is kind of more along the lines of a nice uh, LED lit uh, uh, flying wing. Um, so I would like to see that get finished. We have a, strangely enough, a flat foamy that we've been working on um, that uh, those are a little bit easier to get manufactured, uh, don't require molds and so forth. Um, uh, that uh, that I'm kind of looking forward to, and in the the project uh, that I can't give any details on, other than the fact that we're working with the cabin that designed the uh, uh, Goblin and Nano Goblin. He's got something in the works. Um, so that's that, and um, I'm really interested to see what's going to ha happen with the HD related stuff, and and who's really. If there's going to be a clear winner, I kind of uh, kind of like Mark's uh, general ideas about the rankings. Um, I kind of feel the same way, but I'd be interested to see if everyone else feels the same way as this uh, this year kind of moves through. I'm hoping that there, there's some settling in that area because uh, honestly, I'm still I'm still 100% analog uh, for myself, and I haven't jumped on any of them, any of the others. Um, Me too. I I, I too have flown digital, uh, but I've never bought a digital system. And yeah. uh, until I see like a, a clear one that's going to continue into the future, I, I don't really plan to. I don't think. I, you know. Yeah, I, I, and that's the same thing. I've I've flown it and looked at it, used them, but I, for mm. my own use, I'm still 100% analog. So. But the problem is, I, I now like definitely wouldn't want a DJI system. And if I bought, you know, 
a Grandsworth DJI system two years ago, I'd be pretty unhappy right now. For me, you know, other people yeah. may be loving DJI still, but right. yeah. So yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I I I got my I get got my HD Zero system for example last year in September. Uh, I installed it in one plane, but that never flew with it. Then I uninstalled it, so it's collecting dust since then. And I got the Walksnay stuff in December, and I still have not finished that plane where my Walksnay, my first Walksnay retakes should go in. So I have two digital systems uh, at home, I, and I have not flown one of them yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I'm a bit further ahead than you. I've got the, the VTXs installed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least in a proper plane. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to getting out around the United States this year uh, for work. And um, and when I get back, um, I've got a number of planes that I've been working on in the winter months here that now it's been raining out. So I've got a few planes that will be going up. Uh, I'm looking forward to flying that Stratosurfer at the beach more this year. It's uh, that's an amazing plane. It's just really fantastic. I do thank you for it. Um, yeah, so uh, you know this is going to be a great year for FPV, and I'm looking forward to a lot of good times this year. Hopefully, when the weather improves for all of us, we can get out and fly more. Um, oh yeah, one big one that I do want to do this year is beat is go over 200 miles an hour. So yeah, that's that's one goal. Yeah. yeah. Fair <laughs> is it does it have to be on one of your planes you built i mean oh yeah yeah i want the f1 i want to get that over 200 miles an hour and then after uh, that go to a fun jet which should be able to beat that easily i was gonna say i mean like i don't know what it takes to fly turbines over there in the uk but a lot of money which i don't have <laughs> you know, they, they came out with these foamy uh turbine jets now which are um some of the frames were like 400 bucks for the foamies oh and yeah it's not it's not the airframe cost it's the engine cost for the turbines <laughs> yeah there's it's like those the cheapest one i found was about 1600 dollars. so for about two thousand twenty five hundred dollars you can get yourself into a turbine and you can hit that 250 mile per hour <laughs> the problem is that also a holiday <laughs> my wife would rather go on holiday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. This, this was great yeah. having you. It's great to have good news of all the planes in stock and stuff, too, because for a while I felt like I was like, well, we're working on it. Well, we're trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a different thing. I know in, in the problems you're facing right now seem pretty small compared to what they were a year ago as far as yeah. inventory issues. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a bit stressful a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, we're on to better times. Well, fantastic. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us on Wing Talk. Let's all say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Wing Talk. The webcast is live the third Sunday of every month, and this podcast follows shortly afterwards. Check out inavfixedwinggroup.com for more details.